Good morning. <laughs> morning. It's uh, Barbara had made the comment there. There's a few brave souls that made it out. Um, I think this would be our first real snowfall, would it? More or less. I know we had their one smaller one before, but uh, yeah, no, it's good. I think it'd be good to mention too. We always encourage use discernment. Um, you know, the church is not the building, right? The ecclesia is is the people. It's the spirit within us, and we can worship. Now, maybe we should be careful after COVID era, but we can worship at home. We can we can worship via FaceTime. We can do those things. So please don't put your life in jeopardy <laughs> just to come um, join us. But we are glad you're here, and uh, we're looking forward to just this morning and um, maybe a, a preamble as we continue to, to head towards Christmas Day and what that means uh, for so many. Um, why don't I pray, just as we've got the ambiance here, and um, we'll start our service. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for um, the safety for those that have come out, Lord, and we just think that uh, there still will be some traveling in our area to catch an 11 o'clock service, and we pray that you continue to show safety. Lord, my prayer would be for our church this morning, as well as so many different assemblies that are gathering, that there would be a, a quieting of their, their minds and an opening of their hearts to your presence this morning as they gather. Lord, we know that seven days from now we'll be celebrating um, as, as churches a very, very special event in history. Lord, and we thank you that, that us here at Coldstream, we, we understand um, the reason why you sent your son. We understand that uh, even as he was born in, the, in a manger, Lord, the Old Testament pointed towards the cross and you seated on your throne in that earthly kingdom. And Lord, my prayer would be that you just raise up pastors and teachers that would just be proclaiming, Lord, a, a biblical full gospel. Lord, that we would deepen our understanding of you, your love for us, and what you've called us from and called us to. And I pray that that would just be resonating in our minds and hearts as we step into this service this morning. And as we leave from here, embark on the commission you've given us. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, we're going to invite you to stand. If, if you're able, sitting is just as fine. And we're going to sing, Hark the Herald, Angel Sing. Bird. 
David City. They're being accused it's an idol here shortly. <laughs> it's a teaching prop. <laughs> Greet someone first. Remember when I spent, remember when I spent the seven months in southern Ontario and London in Teen Challenge? Every Saturday night we would attend a church of six, seven hundred. And uh, I mean, it had balconies and everything like that, but uh, 
he didn't know anybody in that church. I mean, they filed in, and I mean, I don't remember every, the idea of greeting someone. I mean, they knew who we were because there were 70 men segregated so no one could escape. <laughs> no, it wasn't quite like that. Kind of like that. I mean, we had wardens and stuff, but, uh, uh, but nobody knew each other. Right? And they'd file in, and you'd maybe say hi to the greeter as you take your bulletin, and then you'd run back to, to wherever and whatever's going on in your life. So I appreciate the smaller model and, uh, and, and that spiritual intimacy that goes with that. Um, hopefully I had a chance to grab your notes as you're coming in, and if not, there as we're singing songs, uh, make sure you grab some. But I just I put together a, a series, a Christmas series, and we'll, we'll just kind of take our time as we work through it. Um, but I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Malachi. And I had a chance there Friday night of with my teens of, of just sharing, and I've been very, very careful and very slow sharing what I believe to be the biblical gospel, the, the full gospel of, of Jesus coming and why he came and how Israel understood what his coming meant. And I watched as a 13-year-old boy, and it was really, I mean, you don't make this stuff up. I mean, we, we had our, our first transvestite um, in youth group this Friday. And then we, with that, you have three or four that are exploring. Now, now I say exploring, experimenting, and even the person that's claiming to be the opposite gender, they're so young, and they're so molded into this culture. I mean, my prayer would be that they find stability and, and they find a confidence, I mean, ultimately from the Lord, but confidence in themselves is how they were brought into this world. So, I mean, I don't put the stamp on them. Um, but I, I, as I read through some of these passages, and we were in Zechariah 13, I don't want to ramble too much here, but it's very clear that, that God, God deals with a sinning world. Right? And when Christ returns, he will deal with those that have rejected the coming, his coming, his first coming, the cross that he paid the price for all sin, and he will deal with that. And then these teens with Bibles in their hands, I watched heads go down, right? And, and, and one of the young fellows was just that. I mean, we, I've had him at camp. I've had him like, a, it's not new. This isn't the first time he's, he's worked through this. We've been churning it at love, grace, mercy, but, but wrath and justice. And he says, this scares me to death, right? And, and a couple minutes later, Chris uh, Chris is just leading to that place where if you, if you have placed your faith in Christ that he paid the price so you don't go through that wrath. And yes, we know hell's attached to that. You won't spend eternity in the lake of fire, but, but that imminent wrath that, that was connecting with him from scripture if you've placed your faith in Christ, you are not appointed to that wrath. You will be delivered from that. And I mean, that's, that's one of the, the purest motives as the Spirit worked in his heart through what he's reading, right? And I would say that Chris had a chance to be used to lead him at least before the Lord or to the Lord, okay? From there on there, we disciple him. We keep walking him through that. But, but it was nothing that I did. I mean, I'm facing... The whole, do I go against culture? Do I just read the scriptures? And I kept asking, I mean, my, my lesson's right there. It's pretty simple if you can read it. Who is the authority? Right, who is the authority in your life as you're choosing sexuality, as you're choosing to live in that? And so just, just kind of bringing Christmas into that perspective, right? 
I mean, who is the authority? What, what was it that Israel anticipated? What were the shepherds singing about? What is this peace about? And Malachi will begin in verse 3, or chapter 3, sorry. We'll read a couple verses from there, and then chapter 4, I know we were here. Um, but to get this idea, like Israel was in a place, almost like a, a teenage child that has done so much sin and is in such a mess that the parent just has to walk away. For 400 years, right, God is silent to this nation because they're living in this sin, willful sin. I mean, even the temple's in a disgrace. But he didn't leave them with, with nothing, right? He left them with a, a clear understanding that he is sending someone, John the Baptist, and then his son, right? And it is coming before the great and awesome, terrible day of the Lord. So chapter 3, and this is, this is the seedbed for Christmas. This is the seedbed for the, the king who was born. He says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Interesting. Who's coming? Christ the king, fully God. He's coming. He's going to be incarnate. He's going to take on the form of man. John the Baptist is going to prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, right? In Jerusalem, this is very tangible. This is what they were looking for. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming. Who says this? The Lord of hosts, Jehovah. But who can endure the day of his coming? What is the nature? When he, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. This is where the purifying and purging of Israel comes from. He's going to come and deal with this sinning nation, this generation. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, this is the temple priests, and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. No more taint. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord. All right, the idea of pleasant being there, pleasing. What they were doing in the house of the Lord was not pleasing before the Lord. Did they believe in God? Well, they knew who Jehovah was. But what they were doing in the house of God was, right, meant nothing. It's not pleasing. And as in former years, and I will come near you for what? Judgment, right? Without the idea of judgment, justice, and wrath, where, do, where does our gospel go? It becomes about me. It becomes about love. There's no accountability. We can do whatever we want, and, and that's what the people were doing, and God says no, right? We will bring you before in judgment. I will be swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against perjurers, against those who exploit wage earners, and widows and orphans against those who turn away an alien or a foreigner. Why? Because they do not fear me. Pretty much sum up our culture today, would it not? It's not just outside the church, is it? We have people coming in there just thinking everything is fine as they participate in the same things breaks God's heart, and then it's going to deal with it. 
says the Lord of hosts. Verse 6, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Context here is the nation of Israel. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Did they hold the scriptures in their hands? Were the scriptures in their own language? Was it very, very clear? Okay, so who's responsible for this judgment that's coming? The answer is they are. And have not kept them. What's he say there? Return to me and I will return to you. Wrath and judgment is always balanced with hope. There's that obedience for fellowship that's always offered, says the Lord of hosts. What was Jesus's, I'm going to say, first sermon as he stepped into his public ministry? Repent. He took it over from John the Baptist. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was there to turn his people back to God in obedience. But you said, in what way shall we return? Let's come over to verse or chapter 4, verse 1. And this is how it closes. Okay, very, very, very pertinent. What was Israel looking for uh, in this coming king, in this coming Messiah, deliverer, savior, all the things that our, our Christmas hymns sing about? What were they looking for? For behold, the day is coming. And we'll read this in Luke later. We'll read this in, in Zacharias's. Um, him as he's praising God. We'll look at it in Simeon and, and Anna's uh, prophecy. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. When he comes, who is God going to deal with? The wicked, right? And we understand because we have the big picture. When the Son of Man returns, it will be in wrath, and he will deal with those who have rejected the gospel and are choosing to live as the world as Satan leads them. And the day which is coming shall burn them up. You ever thought about the Israelites when they went into the land of Canaan to take it, the idea of the fire going before the Lord? I mean, it, 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 is, a, it is a sobering thing. They think that, that God is just going to... And be done, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. No family, right? No lineage, no heritage. The wicked, they'll just be gone. But to you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall arise. Did we not just read that? Or in the song there that we sang, the sun of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves, those who fear his name. Right? This is the, the kingdom promises. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. And he closes, remember, remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Why remember? So they'll obey. So they'll call. So that they'll believe. So that they'll, they'll be saved from this coming wrath. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and great and dreadful day of the Lord. 
and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Does that mean they'll start paying their child support? <laughs> no. no, he will start, I mean, as he's preaching, they will be brought to the river of Jordan. The word of God through the spirit of God will start turning their hearts to the spiritual things and they'll see their nation in sin. They'll see how far they are from God. They'll see the, the perversions in the temple. And the fathers will turn to the children, and they will begin again to teach them the spiritual things of God. I say, is there much good to a revival that isn't passed on to the children? What happens? <laughs> Empty pews. Starving ministries for workers. I mean, all of a sudden, there are children's programs become missions to, to godless homes. It says, He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. That is the seriousness of what they were anticipating with the coming and birth of this king that we celebrate Christmas. One more passage, Zechariah chapter 5. Zechariah 5. And I'm just... You can talk to my wife. I have a hard time with church culture and, and some of the Christmas traditions because I really think it misses the seriousness of what the birth of Christ as king truly meant. Um, for the faithful remnant, guess what? And Krista and I were talking about this. They were looking for a spiritual revival. Right? They were looking for this messenger and the messenger of the covenant, and that's for the faithful remnant. I mean, Zechariah 13 talks about a third <laughs> A third, which isn't very much looking for this coming Christ that would be saved through this judgment that's coming. And that faithful remnant of Zacharias and Elizabeth and, and Mary and Joseph and Simeon, I mean, they were looking for the coming messenger, the coming king who would lead their people to spiritual salvation. That would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. And in Zechariah chapter 5, just asking, because the last words of the Old Testament says, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. What is that curse? Right? And just through Bible study, I come to Zechariah chapter 5, who's teaching 20 years before Malachi. And I mean, just, just, just lining things up. And he, he specifically speaks to a curse that would have been very contemporary to Malachi. Read with me. Zechariah 5 says, Then I turned and raised my eyes and saw there a flying scroll. And he said to me, What do you see? And I love this. So I answered and said, I see a flying scroll. <laughs> no, I could see myself saying it. Its length is 20 cubits and its width 10 cubits. And I don't want to get on this too much, but then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth. The nation of Israel had gone into Babylon, and they had a hard time convincing people to come back, right? Only 42,000 and something came back to rebuild the temple, to obey, to reinstitute God's Torah instructions. That's a small remnant. That's a small number. So this, this curse is, is, is very prevalent. It attaches, and, and it is a nation not cursed that disregards the word of God. I mean, it, 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 it starts at, at zero right after the beginning. 
And we see this, and it says this. They said, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth. Every thief shall be expelled according to the side of the scroll, and every perjurer shall be expelled according to that side of it. There's a justice that's coming. And he says, verse 4, I will send out the curse, says the Lord of hosts. It shall enter the house of the thief. This nation that Zechariah is preaching to, they know who God is. Malachi talks about the Levites stealing from God, robbing God. God's people can do that. God's people do do that. He says, I will send out the curse and stick with me here. It says, the Lord of hosts, it shall enter the house of the thief. Does that house include the family? Grandfather, grandmother, father, mother, children, grandchildren. They lived as, as community at this time. They didn't, almost said they didn't just put them in nursing homes to be looked after. It was a family unit. It shall enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name. The one that is able to play both sides of the fence. One foot on fire and the other foot there in the world, right? I mean, the person that is just so used to hypocrisy and complacency, one who swears falsely by my name, it shall remain in the midst of his house. And what's it say? This curse will consume it with its timber and stones. Where was the nation of Israel as they were anticipating the birth of the king? Right? In, in a very bad spiritual place before God, right? Where was, where was the nation of Israel and the home units and all, all that goes with that as they anticipated the king and the faithful remnant was looking for someone who would come and save them spiritually from their sin and disobedience. That's the seedbed for the Christ being born in Bethlehem. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, my prayer is this Christmas season that we would take this, the seedbed, and we would see the narrative as you present it, Lord, as we see what Zacharias anticipated, as Simeon and Anna just, just, just marveled at what you're doing, and as we just read Scripture, Lord, my prayer is that, that maybe we would take a step away from the Christmas presents a step away from the, the Christmas trees and all the, the different church traditions that we've had, and we would see why you came. Lord, our nation, our world is so lost right now, Lord, that, that it, 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 it fights against even the mention of you. And Lord, in many Christian homes are struggling to even just acknowledge, acknowledge that you came even at Christmas time. And Lord, my prayer would be as we study that, that there would be a, a desire to read these scriptures and see what your people anticipated and see what it did in their lives. See the seriousness of, of, of what it meant when you stepped into your house and you proclaimed yourself, Lord. I pray that that would just be a, on our hearts this morning as we step into this Christmas season. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Okay, well, this time we're going to sing a song and then we're going to have a special from Eldina. And I'll assume it's a Christmas special.
anointed chosen one. It's Messiah over. Okay. At this time, we're going to invite Eldina up. been a long time since I've sung here and uh, I'm so thankful that for some reason the Lord is helping me with my voice to get a little better but it still gives me trouble. However, um, this Christmas season I know it's a time of remembering how God is going to one day judge the world. There's no doubt about that. It's coming. But at this time of the year when hearts are tender towards the love of God and his care for them and reaching out to them as he did when he came as that babe in the manger. Um, I, I just can't get over. I've seen so many things this Christmas that have brought me back to the realization that when, when Jesus came, God came. God came. When Mary touched that little baby that was in that manger, you imagine God being confined in the womb of a woman for nine months. Can you imagine what Mary must have felt when she first touched that little boy or kissed him? And she knew. She knew that he was God the Son. Uh, it's just, it's overwhelmed me so much this Christmas as I've considered it more, perhaps because of a number of things that have happened. But Shepherds gazed in wonder. When I sing this song, I think of dear Tracy. And I can't sing it like she did, but the song is a blessing to my own heart, and I hope it will be a blessing to you.
my song? It, uh, yeah, we could almost close there, couldn't we? Just, just pondering there. I mean, we're not going to, before everybody jumps up and leaves, but um, it, I mean, I, as, as I'm, I, I was just thinking as LD and I was singing, like, I'm going to say solid, solid Christian homes still reflect on that. Christmas mornings, right? And I mean, that, that's the beginning of everything. I mean, some of that for us is the urgency too that, that we go with that message, right? And then we explain to those that have forgotten. Like I, I'm seeing tears and, and uh, I could feel it churning as well as the spirit moves, right? That's the core of our message, right? And, and I'm gonna say even this Christmas, I mean, it's one thing for us to say it. It's another thing that for us to be reading it and showing it and, and bringing, bringing our loved ones to this, both in, in exhortation and praise, but also that's what people have to wrestle with. And then the other side of it is our ministries are to people that have never, they've heard it, but they've never interacted with it. And I mean, that's kind of how it's supposed to work. So thank you, Aldina. Um, <laughs> almost, almost feel like running up and grabbing some grape juice and and, and doing communion. But uh, it, uh, yeah, amen, amen, and amen to that. Uh, some announcements, um, and maybe we'll just just try and tie that into. We have some food that's in, and I know some of you are putting towards hampers as well. Um, I have a couple names uh, of to reaching out where where our church family is actually connected with the homes. And uh, that's important for me so that we can go in and actually connect with the different families and names and stuff. So um, just be in contact. I am planning on doing that probably Monday, Tuesday of this week as we work towards that. And uh, I'll say the only other, we are doing a Christmas Eve service here at 6 o'clock Christmas Eve. Okay, and we are, we are trying to tool it very very carefully. I mean, special musics are coming in. I think we've got three special musics. I'm planning a couple video uh, Christmas carols that we do with the kids, so we're going to really try and get our kids club kids out and get it family oriented that way. And uh, we're going to try and keep it under an hour. <laughs> um, just, just basically singing, and if you remember last year, um, last year I just read through read through a hymn and then we sang it together as the message and uh, this year we're going to be working through who is he in yonder stall and and i'm just going to read it just walk the congregation through it or whoever's here and then we'll sing it together and uh, so that's six o'clock christmas eve okay and we'd love to have you out and uh, it'll be a good good time i was going to anyway that's going to be another story the photocopier is having technical difficulties that's why you don't have a bulletin at the moment, and uh, should I tell a funny story? We got time for that? Yeah, sure. It, it, it uh, Friday night, and it was kind of comical. It was very comical. Uh, we purchased a tree that you see outside, and we've been building up Christmas lights. And I asked the teens. We had stored it around behind the church, so I asked the teens to go get it. And uh, so, 
So they went, and I couldn't figure out what's taking them so long, and I'm hearing hooting and hollering, and I'm like, what is going on back there? So they finally brought the tree around to the front, and, uh, but they also come around with a story of trying to jam one of our smaller statured young boys into a six-foot hole that they found out behind the church. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I've been back behind the church. There's no six-foot hole back there unless they somehow got the septic tank lid off. And, uh, and I mean, boys will be boys. I, who, who knows, right? But uh, anyhow, they're gonna, so after we got the tree decorated, I said, okay, now show me this six-foot hole that you're talking about. And, and they led me around the church. Right behind here, Clady, it's collapsed. And there's a, there's a drain that they put in for the baptismal, and it's collapsed, so the, the cedar cribbing. And there is a six-foot hole straight down um, that they were trying to jam one of the young, <laughs> young boys into. But uh, anyway, that's uh, fun and laughter and, and maybe just easing it. But uh, yep, continue to pray for that ministry and all the fun and games. All right, so let's sing one more song. Wayne's still here. Um, Everyone knows we're having service on Christmas morning, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, we will be having church um, Sunday morning, um, ten thirty, just regular time, and we'll we'll try and keep it shorter. I mean, it uh, everybody's gifts will be open by ten thirty, won't they? Maybe? No? Yeah, probably. I mean, it's it uh, and and chance to come fellowship. Now that being said, as well, just remember that New Year's Day is also on a Sunday. So those that like to stay up till one or two on New Year's Eve and then play hooky from church the next day. Uh, <laughs> anyway, just putting it out there on your calendars. Um, but uh, I, think, I think Sunday morning will be a very special, special time.
Okay. Well, it, uh, I just have a, a couple different readings, just trying to do things a little bit, little bit differently um, this morning and next week as well. Um, as we, we step out of the book of Acts, but not really out of the book of Acts. I mean, it's all very, very, very uh, connected. So hopefully you have a set of notes. I'm going to ask you to turn to the, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. And we'll read through some of our Christmas narratives. I'm going to relocate this cross that Eldina is directly behind or in front of, which is a good place to be. <laughs> no, that's... Luke, Luke chapter 1. And my, my questions, and, and part, part 2, as we're reading through these scriptures, I mean, it's all connected from our Wednesday night and Thursday night, and I mean, we, we discuss these things on a very regular basis. We've been working through the Gospels um, in our Wednesday night, and we're approaching, well, the, the Passover or the Passion Week, and then we just finished up Zephaniah, um, which chapter 3 is very much about the Lord's return and the day of the Lord and, and then shifting into the Sunday morning Christmas season, just seeing, seeing the, the, the biblical narrative played out and not trying to emphasize the wrath without the cross, right? not trying to emphasize the, the wrath and judgment without the, the messianic hope and peace and love and, and what have you there. So, I mean, if it does seem for some reason that I'm focusing on one point, it, it, it's, it's, it's not my intention. I'm just trying to place that, that broad um, spectrum for, for everyone through our Wednesday and Sunday nights and what have you. And, and you could join us, too. It would be an encouragement for that. So Luke chapter 1. Um, Part of this application question, so why, why do we need to know this? I just wrote a couple things down, and we'll, we'll pursue this this week as well as next. Uh, same thing I asked the teens. Who is your authority this morning? You know, as you leave from here, who is the authority over your life? Your, your life decisions are led by who? And I asked the question, How? Right? And then this would be there with the New Testament. It talks about living by faith. Right? It's with open Bibles. Christ-led, Spirit-led as he, he leads our lives. He is our King. He's the one who died. He's the one that, that, that His Spirit indwells in us leading our lives. And that's important because we live in a culture, uh, even much of Christian culture, that would say they love Jesus. They love God. And I would ask the question as I watch their lives, well, who is your authority? How is God leading your life? I don't care about what you're doing. I do, but, but, but it's, it's how. Is it through the, common, like the quiet moments? Is it as you pray, as your, your word, as you fellowship with believers? Oh, no, I don't worry about that. I just love Jesus. Well, we see the products of that. So how, who is your authority? And then does your marriage your family, your home, reflect in an obedient, open Bible, spiritually prepared group anticipating the return of Christ. And, and the reason why that was on my heart, because Sunday night, 
Um, when we gathered for the supper, we were talking about the rapture and the idea, well, it's not the idea, it's the biblical truth, it's the accountability that Christ, when he returns, we will either be found pleasing or ashamed. And that first John chapter 2 says, and now little children abide in him. Okay, that's that, that obedience for spiritual fellowship, that when he appears, who's the he? It's our king, right? It's our king. When he appears, right, he's coming for his ecclesia, his church. When he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed, ashamed before him at his coming. And it says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him, right? If you're living in obedience by faith, Christ-led, spirit-led, if the spirit is leading, you will be doing what is right before God, right? And if you're not, right, then you are placed, and we're not talking about positional salvation. If you're choosing disobedience, you are placed in a, a different camp. When he comes for his church, you'll have those that are, are anticipating and living in obedience, and you'll have those that are ashamed. And I mean, we'll start with the list, complacent. They just don't care. Leading their own lives, loving Jesus their own way, not serving. Their, their, their homes are train wrecks. Their marriages are train wrecks. And, but they still love Jesus. You'll have two camps when he appears. We see the seriousness of where this takes us. So does your, your marriage, your family, your home reflect an obedient, open Bible, spiritually prepared group anticipating the return of Christ? Would the faith of your family be able to handle some of the beginning of sorrows? And that shouldn't be a foreign term to us. So I'll pray. And uh, again, we're just going to read. And uh, we'll walk ourselves through this text. Yep. Yep. No, it's a hard thing. Um, yeah, I, I saw. I saw the update on Facebook. The the, the prayer request for man. Um, well, and, and the rest of us that have been praying too. I think the it went public Wednesday after prayer meeting um, about Albert Wiseman, uh, Ben and Alyssa Wiseman's boy. Edward does a lot of work for for Ben and Alyssa, um, so there'd be a connection, and he works at the school for uh, Mike Walton. Um, when there's digging needs to be done, but six-year-old boy Albert, um, gly, I'm not going to say, I almost said glycoma, some glioma, something like that there, brain tumor, um, so he went into surgery yesterday, it was an eight to ten hour surgery, um, he's come out, come out well, um, to be expected, I mean the surgery is successful, um, now successful, I mean we understand cancer and we'll continue to pray for this little boy, um, and his parents, um, who, who will just pray, uh, pray that God really works through this. I was thinking about this yesterday in the quiet split in wood, actually. <laughs> the, you know, how the turmoil that a parent's heart goes through. And then, Aldana, you were singing about that, like how God must have felt knowing that 
that his child had come to die, right? And then you have a, a human father and mother who, with the news, I mean, the child's left arm had gone numb. And, I mean, there's panic, doctors, cancer, surgery, IWK, right? All these things. And, and what must be going through their hearts right now? And uh, I've been praying as a young man for Ben that, that God would really get a hold of him through this. And we would see him just um, either step into his faith, regardless on whether he believes or not at this point there, but really get anchored, and that he he would be and, and he would be able to support his wife through that. And then I'm also just thinking, and this is way before my time, but um, you know we do recognize with Brandon Peck, right, that families can and do walk through this, right? Brandon Peck would be Mike and Nancy's grandson. Um, Nathan and Andrea, and I mean, I've, I've just, on the outside, we've watched families, and so this isn't new to this church family. Um, so yeah, why don't I pray? Well, it's <laughs> Jen and, and Brittany too. Uh, I mean, it really touches, there's so many. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and then, and then just thinking, yeah, and there's there's a there's a lot of other like even even with my teens there's there's one young boy in in Woodstock that's working through it too and and uh, I, I guess it, it comes down for me and again I don't want to I don't want to ramble but it comes down to the need for understanding God right understanding there that 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 regardless of the outcome. We have, we have our faith in what he promises, but, but also the need for, for others, right? And having a, a family around you to walk through, whether it's trips to Toronto or, or, or trips to Halifax or, or, or St. John, I mean, it, it, it's such an important, important part. And uh, I mean, I could start reflecting to my, my childhood and, and things going on in the different communities too, but why don't we pray? Then for that that child, and and the parents, and uh, then even just thinking about this Christmas. I mean, it, it doesn't get um, easier, but God does lead us through it, and and say so He does use it in many ways. And uh, yeah, all right, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Um, Thank you just, just for this morning where we can gather and, and we're, we're in many ways not directly connected with the Wiseman family. But Lord, ultimately we are. Lord, and it's my understanding that, that both the parents know you. And I think of even this morning um, when I think of, of this six-year-old Albert, Lord, I pray that, that he does know you. Lord, in that, in that quiet way, and Lord, we understand with children that, that this is a completely uh, between you and him thing. And Lord, I, I, I pray, even as we talk on, on things openly as a church family, Lord, my, my prayer would be that our hearts would work through what we need to work through. Um, Neil and I were talking about this Saturday morning. Lord, our lives belong to you. Lord, our children's lives 
belong to you. And, and Lord, that's easy to say from, from this standpoint, but um, Lord, uh, as we come to your word, you, you tell us this. And Lord, it, it adds an urgency for, for teaching them and leading them to that place of understanding you deeper and more and understanding your love and the fullness of what you did on the cross, Lord. And it's not just so that I can be happy and joyful in life, Lord, it's so that I have your promises almost as, as, as the, the armor of God speaks, the helmet of salvation. Lord, that it, in, in moments of, of spiritual attack, in moments of, of physical attack by disease, Lord, our, our thoughts and our hearts are, are guarded by your promises. And Lord, my, our hearts break here as a church family. I mean, our hearts have been broken uh, before. Lord, through this disease, cancer, Lord, through, through, through how it takes lives, it takes the lives of our loved ones. And Lord, we, we don't understand, but Lord, you tell us to rally around you. And, and Lord, I, I see that happening. It doesn't make it easier, but I see that happening. It, you tell us to rally together as your church for these sufferings that you sometimes call us to go through. And Lord, we understand the Bible teaches that you, when we stand before you, there are, I want to say, blessings and rewards as, as we walk through and just trust in you in faith. And Lord, we know the Bible says that if we place our hope, you are our comfort. And Lord, that's not just something cliche we read at funerals, Lord, when we're, our hearts are fearful, when our hearts break, when our hearts are are breaking for others. Lord, you are the God of comfort. And we ask, just in, in, in the moment as, as we're praying, we ask that uh, your spirit would just be working in the lives of Ben and Alyssa, Lord, in the lives of, of that whole family that's directly connected, Lord, grandparents, great-grandparents, uh, Lord, siblings, Lord, I pray that you would put a hedge of protection around that family, Lord, so that spiritually, I'm going to say faith would not be, be thrown aside. Lord, hearts would not be hardened through some of the frustrations and, and anger that our humanity sometimes uh, stirs up. And Lord, that we would see, and, and my prayer would be going to, to both Ben and Alyssa, but Ben right now, we would see him as the husband, as the the head of the home rallying around his faith in you with an open Bible. Lord, and I understand, I know Ben a little bit, Lord. I pray that there would be a, a brokenness and sensitivity to, that, that you would just be able to step in and through. And we would see a, a miracle done, not just in the health of this boy, but in the, the spiritual lives. Of, of this family, the doctors, all that are involved. Lord, we would just see you work powerfully in and through this. Lord, we do pray for Albert. Lord, we ask that your hand would be over this, this young boy. Lord, we thank you that the surgery seems to have gone well. Uh, but Lord, we know that um, there's a road ahead, Lord, of unknown, unforeseen. And Lord, I pray that, that, that his church family would rally around him, not, not just with physical things, but Lord, that, that spiritual love, that loving one another, that sacrificial agape love would be seen 
and this young family would, would embrace it. Lord, that we would see them knit together with this, this church family there and, and just, just walk through the days, months, years ahead. Lord, and that we would just see a beautiful thing grow out of this. Lord, we would ask that uh, you would provide, Lord, and, and whatever that is. And, and I just think of, of Jen and how she's just so committed and faithful to, to continue to help others that are walking through this journey after her, her experience. Lord, the things that she's learned, and I thank you for her faithfulness in this. And Lord, we know that, again, cancer has touched so many hearts, so many lives, and even just that being said, with Christmas season, Lord, my, my prayer would be, and just even thinking about the fathers turning their hearts um, to the children, Lord, that there wouldn't be silence at our tables this year. Lord, there wouldn't be silence as we, we gather with family and, and our hearts do hurt for missing places. Lord, we've lost a lot of loved ones the last four years. Lord, and, and longer. Lord, where, where we know that um, well, most of them are with you in your presence because of faith. But Lord, these things are not passed on to our generations just by them watching. Lord, they need to be explained. They need to be walk through. I think of just the conversation you allowed me to have with Susan Trites, Lord, with Robert, you took him home. Lord, and, and just, just walking through these things with our families is so important, showing them the verses that we hold to. And perhaps through some of these heartaches and, and things that we walk through, Lord, that you would bring revival this way. We just ask that your spirit would move powerfully and Lord, we thank you that we can just rally around um, this need and needs as a church family spiritually. And Lord, there is power in prayer. And I pray even there that uh, as our hearts have been quieted twice already in this Sunday morning service, Lord, I thank you that, that we know this is of you. And Lord, I thank you that, that we, are, we are your people. So even the remainder of the service as we read, and I haven't looked at the clock, Lord, I don't know how much time, Lord, I pray that um, these quiet moments would just, just perhaps allow our hearts to be sensitive to some more of these different, um, just very touching, needed truths that we need in our lives and we need to be passing on. And I pray these things in your name. Thank you, Ann. Luke 1. And uh, we'll just read verse 26 to 38. And a uh, very familiar passage. And uh, I think that'll be a fitting close with the singing and the going to God in prayer. And it says this, Luke 1, 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Angels were messengers from the throne room of God. Right, when an angel showed up, guess what? It was serious. <laughs> if you had an angel show up, they give you a message. I mean, it, it, was, it was a divine message straight from the top. 
to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph and of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. I think we've established that the nation of Israel was not living in obedience to God. Their last words were about the great day of wrath that's coming. But guess what? There was a faithful remnant. There were some that still had their hearts. They believed in God and they sought to live in obedience. They had that spiritual intimacy in a different way, Old Testament, but they had that, that fellowship with God and they had the Torah leading their lives. She had favor. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Interesting. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. Why did Jesus have to be a son? I ask the kids all the time, can girls become kings? Maybe eventually, the way the world's going. Um, but, uh, no, I mean a son to be king. Uh, bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Or Jehovah Yasha, right? Jehovah saves. And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the highest. We see the Davidic covenant growing out of this. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. How long? Forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Imagine, Mary understood this a lot better than I did even two years ago. Right? This was the, the Jewish culture. This is what they were anticipating. This is what everything pointed towards. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, thinking about the song Eldina just sang, how is this going to take place? Right? Like how, how, talking to an angel, throne room of God, the whole Davidic covenant going to take place in my womb. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you straight from the throne room. I mean, if you want a good pictures, you go read Ezekiel, right, in the first couple chapters, or, or Isaiah. I mean, the glimpses of the throne room of God in the Old Testament where everybody falls on their faces. And this angel is saying, God's going, the, the highest, the power of the highest is going to do this work. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Isaiah uses that term, holy one, 25 times. Right? This is all this Old Testament anticipation of the coming Messiah King who would lead the nation of Israel to salvation, to deliverance, to revival, to a spiritual renewing. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And I think we'll close with that. I mean, as we pray, we know that truth, right? With God, nothing is impossible. When we think about, you know, Gabriel speaking to Mary about the conception that's going to go on in her womb, and you've got Elizabeth, right? You've got Malachi chapter 3, right? You've got the messenger who's going to prepare the way, and now you've got the messenger of the covenant, right? Who is going to, to lead the people. And that'll be a, a good, good close. Heavenly Father, we thank you just for this morning. Lord, we thank you that um, as we read your text, I say we ask your spirit to work through the applications this morning, Lord, and I think there's been many, many applications, even if, if it's nothing else than why we believe what we believe. Why, why we read, why we study, why we seek through the pages of Scripture who you are, how you work, what your program for us is, Lord, and it's for some of these tough times and it's for life itself. Lord, my prayer would be that, that these truths would continue to come alive. Lord, that they wouldn't be static, that we would see them connected, and that we would, even as we read through this week, um, Lord, preparing ourselves for families to be gathered. Lord, my prayer would be that there would be a spiritual emphasis on this coming Christmas. Lord, we can't do it on our own. I pray that we would turn to you and we would do it together as a church family. And I pray these things in your name.